Good morning. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open to Ephesians chapter 4 and put a mark there. Ephesians 4 and mark that spot. And then once you've done that, go to uh, flip a little bit back to your left to Galatians chapter 2. Ephesians 4, mark that, and then Galatians 2. We are in the third week of our series called Embrace. And about halfway through this message, we'll hit the halfway point of the series. So it'll be going downhill from here. But we've had some very good discussions, I think, that have been generated over the the last few weeks from this. And as we have said from the beginning, that the aim of this series is to help us learn to be more compassionate. It's to help us learn to be more comparing, to help us learn to love one another regardless of, of color. And this is a, a, a topic that I think is so vitally important, especially given the, 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 the feelings that are going on in our nation right now. Well, we opened up the discussion, uh, we opened up our discussion by looking at the encounter that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman. Remember that back in, in John chapter 4 where he sends the disciples in to to buy food, and he sits there at the well in the middle of the day, and he meets this this Samaritan woman, and we see that Jesus is willing to reach beyond differences. He's willing to reach and and cross racial boundaries and barriers in order to bring all people into his grace and his love and his mercy. Last week, we looked at a very, very important passage of Scripture from Acts chapter 10, where Peter is on the roof, and he has that vision, and it's the full of what he considers to be unclean animals. And God says, kill and eat. And he says, no, I can't. I've not eaten anything that is unclean. And this happens a few times. And finally, the Lord speaks and he says, hey, look, don't regard anything that I have made as unclean. And what that was doing, it was opening Peter's mind. It was opening his his vision to God's plan and to God's purpose. And it was after that that he went to the, the house of Cornelius and he he led that, that house of Gentile believers, people that, that he never would have really associated with being a Jew. He led them to Jesus. And that's a very, very important chapter. It's important because, as we said last week, that none of us, none of us are Jews. Okay? We're all Gentiles. So the fact that that happened is monumentally important for us, right? Because that means we, you and I, we get to come in contact with the blood of Jesus, and that's good news, right? Absolutely. That is good, good, good news. And so that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. God, uh, Peter was shown that no matter what, all things that, that God made, animals or people, are, are clean. And God embraces all people who love and, and respect him. Now then, I've said this every week, and I'll say it for the, the remaining two weeks because I I continue to believe this is true, that the greatest need today is for Christians to learn to love people better. Okay? If if we, as the followers of Christ, people that have named the name of Jesus, if we ourselves would just start loving people better, how much better would the world be? Because in in a lot of circles, Christians are not really known for their love. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen the church that gets on TV and protests everything? Okay? 
That's not really love. Okay? A church that stands up and proclaims God hates this, and it's a, a group of people, that's not the love of God. Okay? That is not the love of, of Christ Jesus, and we're called to be the people of, of love because God is love. And so we've been looking at this passage from 1 John, and this has been our, our theme as we've moved throughout this series. So again, just like uh, the last two weeks, I'll read the words in white, you read the words in yellow, read them really loud so it picks up on the podcast. Beloved, because love is from God. Whoever, for God is love. That's the, the words of the song that we just sang. Whoever does not love does not know God. That's so important for us to grasp. And that's why I've repeated it every week of this series so far. That if we don't show the love of God, then we're demonstrating that we don't really know God because God is love. Does that make sense? That's why this is so important for us. And that's why I've, I've had basically the same opening throughout this series because I believe that we have to grasp these points. That Christians need to do better at loving people. That if we don't show the love of God, then maybe we ourselves don't really know God. But when we show the love of God, when we show people love and compassion and grace and mercy, then we realize... That we do know God. And that's what Jesus says. They will know that you are my disciples, my followers, by the way that you love them. That's what we want to be, is it not? That's what we are striving to be as a, as a people, as a, as a church, and as, as individuals. So that's what we're talking about. We're continuing to, to wrestle with questions along the way. Do I harbor racist thoughts in my mind and in my heart? Am I holding on to, to hatred of someone or, or some group of people? And, and if you've gone through this and you've been praying about this and you've learned maybe some things about yourself, maybe there were some hidden prejudices there that you didn't realize, just ask God to remove those. Just as I have to ask God to remove them from my heart, okay? None of us get this right all the time. Am I right? Am I right? None of us are going to get this right all the time, okay? We have to be in constant contact with God saying, God, purify my heart, purify my motives, purify my language, purify my spirit, help me get this right because I know I'm going to blow it, okay? And so we have to stay in contact with, with God our Father. So continue to wrestle with those questions as we move through this. Well, today, today we're talking about old habits and we're talking about old Hatreds. In fact, that's the, the title of today's message, is that old hatreds die hard, but old habits die hard as well. Uh, how many of you, now I'm probably going to be the only one, uh, probably nobody else in here has ever had a bad habit, right? Am I, I'm the only one, correct? Who's had a bad habit before in their life? 100%? Almost. If not, maybe your bad habit is not telling the truth. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> like that setup, don't you? Uh, I, I didn't write that down. That just came to me. That was a word from the Lord. Must have been. Because <laughs> I, I just now thought of it. <laughs> but all of us have had a bad habit, right? We've all had 
We've all had something in our life that, man, it just, we wish we could get rid of it. Okay? Now then, some of us, we have habits that have just been out in the open and public, and people know it. Okay? Others, others of us, we've had habits that are secret. They're private. They're hidden, and we don't want anybody to know it. And sometimes you go out of your way, and you do crazy things to make sure that nobody knows that, that you have this habit. Okay? But we all know what it's like. You know, you... We've all experienced that where we, we have something in our life where we know we really, really need to get rid of, okay? We know it shouldn't be there, and you just couldn't shake it. You know what I'm talking about? Okay? Because I've had that. I have been there, okay? For 15 years of my life, okay, for 15 years of my life, I dipped, okay? You know, that, yeah. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about, men and maybe some ladies, uh, or at least, you know, anybody had a, anybody had a, grand, uh, a granny that snuffed? Anybody have those? <laughs> Here's another question. Any of you that are going to be grannies planning to do this? Oh, wow. Got a hand that went up there. Okay. All right. Well, we'll pay attention to see how that works out for you. But for 15 years of my life, I dipped. Okay, and, and sometimes I had to keep that hidden because, you know, when I'm around church people, I didn't want people to know that, so I had to keep it hidden. Okay, now there were a few people that, that knew, people that I hunted with and, and did certain things with, but I did this for 15 years. Now then, I knew, I knew that I did not need to be doing this, okay? I knew it was bad for my health, it was bad for my teeth, it was bad for my gums, it was kind of disgusting, you know? I mean, it's gross, okay? It's not attractive, Okay? Bethany, for years, tried to get me to quit, okay? My parents, for years, as I was still living in their house, tried to get me to quit, okay? And there were times where I would try to quit, okay? But I just, I couldn't. It was a habit. It was something that I did that it stayed with me a lot. There was one time where I quit for eight months. Eight months. I thought, I got it. I got it. I'm good. I don't have to worry about this anymore. And then one day, it was a really stressful day. Some things had happened. And guess what? I went back to it. But not just for a little while, I did it for three more years. Three more years until I finally was able to, to break that habit. Now it's been, uh, it's been almost as long that I've been quit than for the time that I spent doing this. But that was a, a very difficult, it was a very difficult thing to do. You know why? Say this with me. Because old habits die hard. Do they not? Old habits die a very difficult death, okay? And sometimes I'm not sure that they don't resurrect themselves back into our lives, okay? All of us, we can relate to this. You know, we've all had something in our life that we needed to get rid of, some, some habit, something that was keeping us from doing something, something that was keeping us from growing, something that was keeping us from becoming a, a better person. Maybe we got it under control for a little bit, but maybe in that moment of weakness or maybe that moment of pressure like I just described, you went back to that old way of living, went back to that, that habit. Remember what we said last week, that doing something once, like, like kicking a habit or, or choosing to do the right thing, doing something once does not mean you've got it mastered, right? I mean, I think we all know that. Choosing to engage in what is right is usually not the easy thing to do it almost never is and remember just because just because we do something once or we stop doing something once doesn't mean that we're not going to slip back into those old patterns of behavior because we're human because we're broken because we're 
we're, we're frail, and say it with me, old habits die hard. Well, it's not only old habits that die hard. Old hatreds die hard as well. For many people, for many people growing up in our country throughout its history, it, it seems as if racism and, and prejudice were bred into them. Have you ever, you ever met anybody like that? But in reality, that's, that's, that's not true. But have you ever heard a, a small child speak in ways that only adults would speak about another person or another race? Have you heard that? Because I have. Well, here's something that needs to be said, and it needs to be said emphatically, and it's this, that racism is taught, okay? Racism, you are not born a racist, okay? You with me? Racism is a learned behavior. Nobody is born a racist, okay? Ruby Bridges, she was the, the first black child to enter an all-white school during desegregation back during the the 60s. Uh, she says this. She says, racism is a grown-up disease, and we must stop using our children to spread it. Doesn't that make sense? It's a grown-up disease. Okay, this is our problem. Okay? If my kids grow up to be racists, that's not, you know, it, it's, it's not because they were born that way. It's because I have not done my job as a father. You know what I'm saying? I've not done my job as a father. I've not done my job as a, a follower of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. No one is born, no one is born a racist. And here's the thing, you know, if you speak ill of another people group, you know, black, white, Muslim, gay, whoever it might be, it could be, or if your kids do that, it could be that maybe they've learned it from you. Okay? Or at least they learned it from, from someone else who, who taught it to them. Because no one is born, no one is born with hatred in their hearts. Okay? Now then, while we will sometimes hear those things out of the mouths of children, have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that, that skin color does not matter to children? You put a group of kids together from all different races, and what do they do? They begin to just play together if they've not been taught these sort of things. Okay, and it's a beautiful thing. We can learn so much from our children who have not been infected with this pattern, with this sickness that we sort of spread to them. They can teach us a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the reason that they don't separate is because They've not been taught to separate. But if you do see that prejudice, if you do hear them saying things, if you do see that separation, it's because they've been taught to separate. Oh, God forgive us for that. God forgive us of that. It's like we've said all along, when, when how we were raised, when how we were raised does not match up with what God said, then how we were raised is wrong. If it does not match what God said, then how we were raised, no matter who it was, my sweet old grandmother, aunt or uncle or, or somebody in your family that you looked up to, one of your 
parents. It doesn't matter who it is. As, as soon as it does not match up with what God says. No matter what. And that's, that's tough to hear, is it not? I mean, it's tough. But as soon as what we hear from another person, whether they be family or just a, trusted, uh, just a trusted friend or whoever, as soon as it does not match up with God's word, then that is wrong. And we cannot continue to, to perpetuate that. God bless those parents who choose not to nurse race prejudice and pass it along to their children. God bless you if you have made that choice in your life. My parents made that choice. It wasn't always easy for them. I know that it wasn't because they would have heard those things growing up when they did. But again, doing right is never easy. Choosing to, to rid ourselves of, of hatred is the right thing to do. But you and I both know. We know that just like old habits, old hatreds die hard as well. You see, and this wasn't easy for the, the people of God. It never is. I looked at these stories over the last couple of weeks, we realized, you know, this isn't just a new problem. It's not just an American problem. It's a problem that has been around for centuries upon centuries. And the people of God wrestled with this very same issue that we still wrestle with 2,000 years later. It wasn't easy for them as God now required them to drop their, their racial and their, their prejudicial, prejudicial barriers. Last week, we looked at Acts 10. Peter's there. He receives the, the, the message from the Lord. Everybody who loves and, and, and accepts me, everyone who respects me, those are my people. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what their background is. The only qualification I'm looking for is do they love me, okay? Call nothing unclean. And so Peter did this. He openly embraced Gentiles, people that, that he would have considered unclean because they're uncircumcised, because they, they have rituals and, and, and meals that are not like the Jews, because they involved them th themselves in things that Jews would have been scandalized to be associated with. Okay, the Jews would have had nothing to do with the Gentiles. Jesus swoops in and, and, and changes Peter's vision. He adjusts his, his thinking. And, and what we see in, in Acts 10 is that Peter openly embraces these, these Gentiles under the roof where, where he's staying. Not only that, he was openly embraced by Cornelius and his household both men showed a deep humility and respect for one another as they crossed barriers that had previously separated them and just as we said last week we can't underestimate how difficult this this must have been for peter even though even though he's just learned that he's been mistaken about who god accepts we can't imagine that this was a tough test for Peter. Why? Because those old habits, they don't go easy. They die hard. It's tough to change something that you've been accustomed to doing your whole life, is it not? Okay? It's tough to do that. And just like we said last week, just because you get something right once doesn't mean you've mastered it. 
even if you happen to be the one that Jesus revealed the message to. Because old hatreds die hard. And so we come to Galatians 2, and you have this, this exchange that, that takes place, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of awkward. It would have been awkward to, to be there and to, to see what un, unfolds. But in Galatians 2, it kind of opens up, and, and, and Paul is recounting his trip to Jerusalem where he's met with the council, the, the church leaders. They've settled the matter of inclusion of Gentiles and should they be circumcised and should they not be and, and all of those things. And then you drop all the way down, drop all the way down to verse 11. And it said, you'll, you'll see a word there. It, yours might say Cephas, that's Peter, uh, if, if that's what yours says. But it says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Now, this is Paul writing this. He says, I opposed him to his face because he stood self-condemned for until certain people from James came, he used to eat with Gentiles. But after they came, he drew back and he kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. Paul is, is describing this, this incident that takes place. Peter has come to Antioch, okay? Antioch is a Gentile city. It's full of Gentiles, and, and he's there, and they're, they're eating together. Paul is there with him, okay? And so they're eating together. They're sharing table fellowship together. They're enjoying being with one another, Jew and Gentile, okay? Then it says, then some people from James showed up. Okay, now that's, a, that's a, kind of an insider uh, phrase right there. It's talking about the Jerusalem church, okay? People from the mother church, okay, from the home base, Okay, people from, from, from Jerusalem, the Jerusalem church, the big dogs have just showed up. Okay, and they're sitting there eating. Peter sees them, and something must have stirred deep within the, the recesses of his soul, deep within the, the recesses of his mind, something familiar. And then Peter, being afraid of what these Jews from the mother church would think, he makes the conscious decision to separate from the Gentiles, to, to draw back from them. He gets up from their table, and he goes and he joins the Jews at their table. He caves to peer pressure. He's worried about what his own race will, will think of them, so he draws, he withdraws, he crosses back over the barrier. He retracts his embrace. Now then imagine, imagine what the Gentile believers must have been thinking. Hey man, I thought, I thought you were the one that said we were equal. I, I thought you were the guy who said that God shows no partiality. But he accepts people from every tribe and every nation who, who love and, and respect him. I thought you were the one that said we were all equal in the, in the, in the sight of God. You see, to say that Peter was, was not thinking of others would not be totally accurate here. He was thinking of others, but he was thinking of the wrong others. Does that make sense? He wasn't thinking about his Gentile brothers and sisters who he got up and he abandoned. You ever had anybody do that to you? You've been with somebody, maybe you don't know anybody else, 
you're in a large group of people, you don't know anybody there, and the person you came with just ditched you? Anybody ever had that happen to them? Am I the only one? Surely I'm not the only one that's been a loser before, right? Yeah, what does that feel like? Not awesome, okay? That is not a good feeling, okay? I mean, it's like you are an island. Nobody wants to be with you, you know, and you, you, you feel it, okay? Imagine what these Gentiles were feeling when, when he did this. See, but here's the thing. Peter's choice, and, and maybe this is, this, is, this is so important. We've got to grasp this. Peter's choice didn't just affect him. He made a decision to get up from the, the Gentiles and to go sit with the Jews, and it does not just affect him. It does not just affect the Gentiles. It affects others as well. Look at verse 13. And the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that even Barnabas so that even Barnabas was led astray. Not only, not only did Peter choose to, tr to cross back over the racial divide, he influenced others as well. And that's a very, very important point that we cannot miss. Okay? He influenced others as well. Paul's companion on his first missionary journey to the Gentiles was who? Barnabas, to the Gentiles, to people of other races. Barnabas has been out there carrying on the cause of Jesus Christ, carrying the message of, of freedom and grace and mercy to people that are different from him. He's been out there carrying the message, and he sees Peter get up and pull back, and so his reaction is to do the same thing. He's influenced by what Peter did Barnabas, who was known for his heart and his encouragement, Barnabas, who was known for, for seeing the best in others, just made a choice that, for all we know, could have ruined his reputation in Antioch as the son of encouragement. Because he, too, chose to get up. He chose to, he chose to withdraw. Here's the, here's the point. When you choose, or when I choose racism or prejudice, our choice does not just affect ourselves alone. It affects others. This is especially important if you're in a position of leadership. Now then, many of us in here we have positions where others look to us. They look to us for answers. They look to us for, for guidance. They look to us for, for influence. They look to us for, for help and for care, okay? And our actions, and you know this as well as I do, especially those of you that are teachers, and you've said this so many times, you know this, that our actions or lack of actions, they speak volumes, do they not? Yeah, they absolutely do. I mean, this is why we, we put a hold on, on, on our series in Matthew, as important as it is. Because we have to say something. I want Cornerstone to be known as a church that will not turn a deaf ear or have a mute tongue on something as vital and important as this. I don't want to 
stand before God at judgment day and be asked, well, you know, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you do something? You had this platform, but you were silent on an issue that was so important to me. An issue that was so important that it allowed you to be in my kingdom, yet you said nothing. You didn't act. You see, our choices and our actions, our words matter. And if you choose to stand up to racist attitudes, people will notice. They'll know where you stand. You see, but if you choose to remain silent, they also will assume that you stand with them. Just as, as Tony Evans says, he said, don't let others from your own race, don't let how others from your own race think, don't let them influence what you say and what you do. Don't not say something or not do, in, do something because you're worried about how they are going to think of you. Stand up. Speak up, because we're going to influence others either way. Whether we say something or not, we influence. Whether we act or not, we influence. So Paul sees this. Paul is, is watching this whole scene go on. Now then, if you know anything about your Bible, you know that Paul was not always a patient man. Okay? You know that, that Paul did not always use tact in what he does, okay? And if it came to something like this, okay, he's going to throw all that, he's going to throw anything, all niceties out the window, and he's going to go after this problem head on. So he sees this scene play out, and he's not going to have anything. And so he confronts Peter. Peter, who is the apostle. Uh, Peter, who is was in the inner three of Jesus. Peter, who was arguably the closest person to Jesus than anyone else on earth. Peter, who definitely knows better. Peter, the one who had the revelation on the rooftop. And Paul sees Peter withdrawing, and Paul chooses to stand up. Look at verse 14. Paul says, but when I saw... When I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? In other words, what are you doing? How can you live one way? And then these guys from Jerusalem show up and you just completely back off everything you know to be right. Paul says, When I saw them acting consistently, that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, okay? This issue is so important that Paul invokes it in the level of the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? That's how important it is. That's why it is so important for us to get this right, because this has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This has to do with making sure people know about Jesus regardless of where they come from, regardless of, their, regardless of their background. And so Paul says, how can you do this? How can you, how can you live like a Gentile and yet for, try to force the Jews to live like the Jews? How can you, when the Jews show up, all of a sudden try to be a 100% Jew again? 
How can you go back into those old, those old habits? Listen again to these great words by, uh, by Dr. Tony Evans. Because according to Galatians 2, Paul says, when I saw what Peter was doing, I condemned Peter before them all. He acted a fool in public. I in public said to Peter, you are embarrassing the truth of the gospel. You're making Jesus Christ look bad. You're, you're, this is not some social decision you made. You have embarrassed Jesus Christ and the good news of the cross, which means he brings people together across racial and cultural lines at the cross. The only qualification you need at the cross is you're a sinner who needs a savior, regardless of your class or your culture, and you have messed with that message. One of my favorite verses of scripture, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, it's Christ who lives in me, the life which I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That great verse, many people don't know, comes at the end of this story. So Paul is giving that verse to Peter to tell Peter, you got the wrong identity. Your identity first is not in your culture, your class, your background, and your history. Your identity first is in your Christ and in your Christian commitment. Because, Peter, truth overrides tradition. Truth overrides color. Black is only beautiful when it's biblical. And white is only right when it agrees with holy writ. There must be a standard by which you judge your race. And as long and it is under, as long as it's under that standard, then you have the right to be different. God is not asking you to like soul music, and he's not asking me to like country and western, thank God. He, you, you, you can have all the differences you want as long as it doesn't conflict with the authority of God, the rule of God, the person of Jesus Christ, and your Christian commitment. You must be Christian first. And if we could get enough Christians to be Christian before white, Christian before black, Christian before Spanish. It doesn't take 240 years to fix this. It takes about two minutes and 40 seconds. And so what we have done is we've allowed culture and color to overrule the faith. And so you got even Christians divided all over the place. Don't know where to stand on issues. Don't know which position to take. That's because you're trying to dissect it culturally and color-wise rather than biblically and spiritually, which would save you a whole lot of time. Man, I wish I could roll out phrases like Tony Evans. For years, I have tried to and have not been able to. But I, I what I really just need to do is just play this whole message every Sunday for the rest of this series and just let him, let him shed some light on us. But he, 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 brings, such, uh, he brings such truth into this, into this passage of Scripture we're looking at, okay? He talks about, you know, my, my favorite line in there is, you have messed with that message. 
Okay, that's what, what Paul is saying when he says, I looked at them and they were not acting consistently with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're messing with that message. Okay, when we choose to engage in racial rhetoric, when we choose to segregate ourselves, we are messing with the message of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, because God is no respecter of persons. He calls all of us together. Now then, let's read these verses that, that Tony Evans looked at in, uh, in, in, uh, in Galatians 2, 19 and 20. I'll read the white, you read the yellow really loud. I have been, and it is no longer, and the life, who loved me and gave himself for me. Those are some powerful verses, aren't they? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but it Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I think the, I think the key to breaking old hatred is found in these verses. If you are a Christian, as I am a Christian, then we have been crucified with Christ. We've been crucified with Christ. That old habit, that old hatred, that old way of life has been nailed to the cross. It's been, it's been crucified. My identity, your identity is now in Christ Jesus. This means it's not about me anymore. It's not about us anymore. It's about Christ Jesus who lives within us. It means when I see people, I see through the eyes of Jesus. When I see people, it means I'm looking into the eyes of Jesus that Jesus died for. And I do this because he loved me and because he gave himself up for me. My identity is rooted in Christ. You see, and if, if racial prejudice, if this issue mattered to Jesus, then it better matter to us. If this mattered to Jesus, then it better matter to us if we're going to call ourselves his followers. You see, Paul, he knew, and he knew that these old habits, he knew that these, he knew that old hatreds die hard. Flip over to Ephesians. Ephesians 4, he's talking about, you've, you know, you've, been, you've been taught the truth. You've been taught the truth of, of Jesus. But in verse 22, he says, You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by Jesus, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourselves with the new created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He's saying you have to put off. You have put off that old way of life. Those old habits, those old hatreds, those old prejudices. You have put those things off. Don't pick them up. Don't, don't put them back on. Verse 31, drop down. 
Put away from you all bitterness, all wrath and anger, all wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind, be kind to one another. See, what this means is that if you have put on Christ, if you have put on Christ, then you can no longer blame your behavior, you can no longer blame your attitude, you can no longer blame uh, racism or hatred on your nature or how you were raised. You see, because God has given us a new nature. He's given us a new heart. He's given us a, a, a new identity. God has, has given us the capability to develop fruit that we weren't capable of before we were born again. One of the keys to, to, to breaking out of these old habits of hatred is to tap into the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and allow them to manifest themselves in our lives. Love, I mean right off the bat, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says against these things there is no law. And if we can put those things into to practice in our lives, we can break out of these habits. Because like I said, I mean, you and I both know, we know that these habits, old habits die hard. And if they're, they're hatreds, they probably are going to die an even harder death. But this is what God calls us to. And so I want to encourage all of us to remember that our identity is in Jesus Christ. That old way of life has been crucified. The life that I now live in the flesh. In other words, this, this bodily life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's my identity. My identity is in Jesus, and that's, that's the mindset that we must, that we must have so throughout this, this series, I want you to just reflect on some things. Have you, were there some ways that maybe you needed to change your thinking? Have you begun to, to think differently? Have you asked God to reveal things to you? Have you asked God to take things away from you, remove from your life that you didn't need? Have you made a concerted effort to get to know someone of a different race better? Have you prayed for your black, white, or Hispanic friends? Have you shared a, a meal together? And if not, I want to encourage you to do those things. To do the things that Jesus calls us to do, to reach across barriers that divide us. To embrace one another with the love and the grace of, of Jesus. Christians have to start loving people better. We have to start loving people better. Old habits and old hatreds die hard. And when they threaten to break in and, and take over, 
when we're tempted to, to give in to them again, we must take them to the cross because we have been crucified with Christ. We have to get back to that place where it's no longer us that lives, but it is Christ living in and through us. It's around a, a table where Peter had his slip-up. Amen. We've all had them, yes or no? We've all had them, okay? And we're all going to continue to have them. I mean, we're all culpable in this, but it's, it's around a table where we also find unity. It's around the table where we also find hope. It's around the table where we also find forgiveness and, and compassion and grace. It's, it's around the table where we are reminded of who we are and whose we are. Now, I think you've probably noticed it. Have you felt the Have you felt the difference in communion in the last couple of weeks? Do you think that's simply just because we got up and moved around? I think maybe that's the first step. But I think God is working among us. I think he's drawing us together. And I, and I don't know about you, but it seems like for the last few weeks, it seems like, okay, this is what, this is what communion should feel like. Not that it's wrong to sit in rows and, and to pass. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it's as if when we've gathered in these groups, it's like we've just kind of let down. We've, we're, we're just together. And we've communed together. And it has been, and, 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 the two guys that have been on the stage have, have noticed it. You know, you, you see it from here. You, to be able to see all of you break into these groups. And I've noticed that you've not stood with the same people either week. And that's a beautiful thing too, to stand with people that you might not normally sit by in church and, and share communion together. I've seen tears be shed during our time around the table. I've seen, I've seen people embracing one another. I've seen little conversations taking place, sharing life, welcoming one another in the, in the name of Jesus. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We want to continue that this morning. Now then, you notice when you came in that there's three tables that are, are set up. And uh, this table back here has got the communion elements on it. And this one over here will have communion elements on it. And this one right here, the elements are being brought up. And so what I want you to do this morning is, is just what we've done for the last two weeks. I'm going to pray, and then at the close of the prayer, I want you to stand up and go, just go to one of these tables. Try to stand with somebody that you are not sitting next to right now. Try to cross aisle and, and maybe commune with somebody that you might not normally commune with. But gather around the table.